episode 68, Down the Rabbit Hole, starts now with a special guest. Oh. We have a special guest while we're eating carrot cake. Hello, I, Carl. I'm eating carrot cake, but I've stopped <laughs> just to say hello. Hello, and people. Dan, can you present yourself? Yes, so my name is Daniel Patrick Cohen, and I'm a musician living in Cluj with, uh, with Carl and Rafa. We don't normally tell people that. <laughs> You've already broken the bro code. <laughs> you talk about living in Transylvania. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a bigger it's range, big. right? Yeah, John Strike. You can see it from space. You know? <laughs> it's a dot in a map, <laughs> and not even a recent map. Yeah. Anyway, now you've yeah. bl- now you've blown our cover. Right. Well, okay. So, yes. but anyway, today we have a very interesting show. The title is Premonition. But the topic came as an idea from Dan. Yes, so over to Dan. Yes, over to you. How, how come you flesh it out a bit? Yeah, I thought about the topic. So I thought about these uh, all of these different examples of artists making films, uh, writing novels, uh, even painting, uh, anticipating the future, or you've got all these spooky, seemingly spooky coincidences where yeah. uh, an artist gets... Uh, Gets makes a prediction and then it comes true. Life imitates art, and I wonder to what extent you can. Uh, this could be almost as good as uh, genuinely predicting the future or having, as I say, a premonition. Mm. Which premises does ask the premise? Can you actually predict the future? Yes. Now, does uh, anybody predict the future? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. No. Let, well, let's think about that for a second. Then, so if you have, as let's say, someone could absolutely predict the future so let's say i could predict the future you mean as a power I could act as a yes as a, as a superpower but, now for you to be able to prove to yourself that i can predict the future would be next to impossible you would what you would do is you would uh, get me to make well, a series of predictions well not really i just ask you to predict something for tomorrow <laughs> but you yes you, i could I, yes okay well, i could predict a number of things that would probably happen tomorrow right okay okay so you but you get me to predict ah, something specific. a number of things mm. a number of things mm. and if i got them all right you would start to think hang on something's I'd, going on here i'd be and then and then you get to within our kind of realm you get this idea of <clears> uh okay you, you've done enough to to convince me that mm, something mm. is going on so I thought of this. I thought of this layman's test. Right, but, <laughs> go on. Prediction and premonition. Not the you same agree. Thing. It's not the I same. Li- I like the right? word premonition. I think the word is, premonition is funny, mostly because of the film Final Destination, which is really, <laughs> really, fun, really fun film. Which, um, if you have got that amount of time to waste, <laughs> it's, a, it's a super film. Um, uh, so premonition being a strong feeling that something is about to happen, yeah. especially something unpleasant. I think that's, that's, that's an interesting idea. Anyway, so I was thinking about this thing of having how many things would have to you'd have to correctly predict in order to uh, right. convince someone else that some you know something is going on. And I thought of something. I thought something in my life. You've put a number on it. Well, yeah, I have. So I've put, I've thought something in my life which happens with such regularity that I bank on it. That it's now this is sleeping the case, right? No. This is what it is. This is what it is. Even more than sleeping. Now, every time I go to the corner shop near my house... This is going to be worth hearing. It sounds like the start of a joke. Right? There's a lady in there who <laughs> serves, that sounds like and a she joke. gives me the dirtiest look I've ever seen in my life. What, dirty every, sexually? No, not that. No, oh, right. no, <laughs> no, not the good kind. The stink eye. No, <laughs> a really vicious, evil glare. Vicious, evil look. Every single time I go in there. Every single time. Now, this happened... This Stop ha- going in in your pyjamas. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Or put, put some pants on. <laughs> no, really, put some pants on. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. So, so this happened, so let's say, okay, let's say I go in there like four times a week. Right. And I reckon after about six months, I decided this is a thing. This is definitely happening. I bank on this. This happens. So then you do some numbers. Four times a week, four and a half weeks in a month. But that's hardly a prediction if it's happening to you, is it? No, no, no. It's a prediction. It is a prediction because it's a prediction of what's going to happen. Or it's, it's also something reliable. Based something on 200 that, similar incidents. It is, That's called it statistics. Is, it's, a, it's a proof beyond a reasonable doubt in layman's terms. Within terms that you... We're going to let you have that because you came up with this subject. Well, that's, very, that's, yeah. that's very good of you. Anyway, so you've got, so, so you got some numbers there. So you've got four times a week, four and a half weeks in a month. That's... Uh, you know what this is the equivalent of? It's, it's Dan's equivalent of the Drake equation. You know the one about... Yeah, I know, I know for sure. ...about, intelli- about life in the universe. You know the Drake equation. No, I don't right? know the Drake equation. He's a physicist or an astrophysicist. He's very old now. But he came up with this fantastic formula, you know, number yeah. of number of average planets in a solar system, number of, <laughs> number of suns in the galaxy, number... Of, and then he went... This huge equation goes like this, and it comes out with an answer as to how many civilizations should there be. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, you should look it up, Drake Equation. Anyway, you are going down the same path. Well, the, well <laughs> you're, you're coming <laughs> up with an equation. Right? So we've got this. Uh, if we've got four times a week, four and a half weeks in a month, after six months, I've decided this is within what I can say, this is a certainty. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. This is now definite uh so that big comes up to 18 sixes which are i think 108 so 108 times so if someone predicts makes 108 predictions and they all come true i think i would then be convinced that that is someone who could see the future that's a, quite a challenge right but I, that, that's that, that that would be my <clears throat> magic, that's my magic number that's it <laughs> 108 108 dirty looks in the shop every four times a week every week I'm going to write months. that down. <laughs> <laughs> but, but of course, there are people who predict the future or attempt to predict the future professionally as a job. Oh, that's, yeah, a very, that's very interesting from so, a psychological point of view. So, for example, British Telecom, you know British Telecom, British company, uh-huh. they actually employ a guy, quite a senior guy, and his job title is Futurologist. Futurologist. Oh That's his God. job title. This doesn't sound. This sounds like an April Fool. Or no, it's this not. Is. This is straight up. And there's a number of a number of large companies employ what? people to yeah. extrapolate. Really, what they're doing is extrapolation. I, mm. I would call it that has to do a lot with math and statistics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of it's to do with taking existing yeah. situation and then trying to plot its course forwards and going by then we'll have this or that. And then they start to set policy based on these meandering predictions. But that is like science-based predictions. Yeah. are getting back to a bit like foundation. Exactly. It's exactly, exactly what I was about to say. It's like Harry Seldon in Foundation. Foundation and Empire. Creating the psychohistory where we combines psychology, okay. psychology with math, statistics, and sociology. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As to create the... All right. To be able to predict... The, the course of history yeah. of humanity and the circle yeah, yeah. that they will go through and, you know, 
going to a peak, then the decay, and then the reborn of civilization based on It's the founda- this. Foundation series. Yeah, you have to Top check notch. that. Yeah. Check Definitely. it out. Yeah. Especially because there was the rumor that they are working on a TV a series. TV series. Or, yeah. I'm sure it will be on the uh, streaming provider that I'm not on. <laughs> Whichever one I'm on, it will be on the other one. <laughs> Even if I actually switch providers, it will be on the other, the other one. one. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the way it works. I don't know what it is. It's like cues, yeah. right? Yeah. And, for example, there was uh, recently, I've been following some discussion about uh, earthquakes. Oh. And prediction of earthquakes, mm. actually. Which, which is very difficult to do, is it not? It's getting easier. The point is that it's, it's getting easier. You know why? Because now they found out that it's related to the sun. Right. Oh. It's related to the sun. Solar cycles. Exactly, it? to mm. the solar cycles, to mm. where are the storms coming, and it, all that affects geomagnetically Earth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they can now, there's, there has been this, this was this discussion big time because of, you know, in Mexico, there were those earthquakes right, that yeah. affected bad. Recently. And there's a guy that has been kind of predicting the earthquakes wow. with a couple of days apart. Wow. Issuing alerts based on these uh, theories. And he's getting them how, how far in advance? Like two, three days. But two or three days is what, before, before that. What what would be a standard uh, advance warning of an earthquake? It's None, a matter of hours. None. Oh, absolutely zero. You, you know what's the only advance we have, in Me- at least in Mexico? We have uh, uh, sensors in the Pacific, where it's the biggest uh, areas of uh, seismologic. So, m- movement. And we have 50 seconds in advance before it arrives to the city. Alerts mm-hmm. sound all around the city. And oh. you have 50 seconds to evacuate buildings. Yeah, yeah. That's as much as we got. Mm-hmm. And if the earthquake is not in these areas that have monitors... Then you don't. Then you're fucked. And <laughs> sorry. And in, uh, and in. Hang on a minute. And deep. deep. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was the one thing I had to do. <laughs> no, uh, but how, do you know how that compares to Japan now? I don't know. You'd they've to be they've the got sensors. They got sensors all around but not, as well, but not more than fifty seconds. Not more. It, presumably, I don't think you get more because it depends on that. Yeah, it depends on many things. One, mm. the distance, yeah. depth, and the depth. Yeah, yeah, those are two variables that are very important into how fast an earthquake will arrive, and if triggers something else like a tsunami, for mm. example, and you will have maybe another ten minutes, <laughs> fifteen <laughs> minutes. But uh, the thing is that uh, again, this kind of prediction that this guy has been doing, which he has been uh, criticized and a lot of yeah. Odd, yeah, typical scientists yeah. Yeah. have been like, "Oh, this guy is crazy. This guy is not." But there's other scientists saying, "Dude, yeah, hang on a minute. I yeah. have those." Uh, that since I don't know a couple of years ago mm-hmm. have been proven this this this, this that. But does he have 108 examples? Well, well, I can tell you that he publishes <laughs> the, the Cohen equation <laughs> will <laughs> come to dominate like two times a week. He creates uh, solar reports Ooh. in which he says uh, uh, he has a very interesting way to put it. Like if there's a seismicity in a certain area in a certain area, the area of silence is accumulating the pressure based on the other two. So he can say pretty much uh, with certain time frame saying this area is going to get affected and be- because of the position also in the uh, storm, mm. uh, the breakings in the sun, you solar know. Solar events. Uh-huh, and the solar events and the positioning and the positioning with Earth in that moment, mm. you can see which spots are yeah. going to be affected by, by that. And oh. This is very interesting, actually. And... Again, this is a kind of prediction, but again, but it's, it's again, it's just science, science, no, science and statistics. Science, so, yeah. we need to probably define mm. what kind of prediction are we actually talking? Well, in reality, if you'd like to talk about these jobs like futurologists, and there, there is such a job, 
that is not prediction, really, is it? I think that's some kind of... Uh, well, that's, yes, it's maths. It's, it's, uh, iterative, yeah. uh, evolutionary stuff. But so, then you have the other type of prediction, you know, the kind of, uh, how can we say, astrology one, for example. Based. Or, I don't know if you call it art. Well, writings and art. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, and all, all of that astrology stuff. Astrology is, is stuff, art. for example. Yeah, could be considered an art. Loosely, yeah. Yeah. Loosely. So that could be considered a, maybe the prediction. Meta science. Or a lot of people would add the word prediction mm. to that type of uh, uh, examples. For yeah, example. yeah. You know? So you. So this brought the, that number uh, kind of brought us. Uh, the Cohen equation. The Cohen equation. Mm. Yeah. 108. 108, 108. correct predictions i would would, would, would con- seal would the deal me. for you i, I would write that in the in the, <laughs> in the notes you put money on that is a uh well, now uh so this nostradamus which you mentioned well i thought we should i think we should, <laughs> we should mention i think this is probably the start only start. because i knew him personally <laughs> so uh published in 50, 1552 he's written this book the prophecies and people have gone on Mo- and mostly on, after, and on. most mostly after the events have happened, <laughs> to, yeah, say, yeah. to say that he's predicted Terror. these uh, to predict the, all sorts of things from the Great Fire of London to the French Revolution, uh, Napoleon, II, Hitler, Hitler, World yeah. War Two, etc., etc., etc. I mean, and then the most, uh, yeah. Anyway, he has. So it's interpretive, right? I think it's very, yes, it's oh, very. Inter- I think we're going to give this. This is going to be towards a zero out of ten for the I, I, for I the prediction. The, yeah. It's like a low starting point for prediction. Well, we've got to start somewhere. He does have yeah. this, but this just in terms of numbers, he does this. There are nine hundred twenty-two quatrains in this uh, this uh, piece of writing, the prophecies. Now, if he got nine hundred twenty-two predictions and they were all right, that will pass the Cohen equation. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> but, that, but you have a problem from the beginning because the predictions were not written clear, were written as well, uh, yeah, very uh, ambiguous. They're like right, uh, uh, versus um, yeah. how, well, how it's called. Uh, I forgot now the word um, allegories or something like that. Allegories, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, how they are written. Well, they're so, very interpretive. So you have you. to interpret it, and you it can, can be like, interpreted in many ways. And this is exactly what happens with this. Just I just picked one of these out yes, that he predicted the idea that he predicted nine eleven. This is if you listen to this, just uh, the translation for the moment. Two steel birds will fall from the sky on the metropolis, and the sky will burn at forty five degrees latitude. And people have decided that that predicted nine eleven. Uh, one of the, so one of the points being that uh, New York is on, at 40 degrees latitude. So that's close enough, right? Close enough. Margin of error. Uh, where do you draw the line? Yeah. And the other one is this two steel birds, which is interesting. But as we've been saying, this well, is what's actually been, been happening is this is a sloppy translation. Steel uh, yeah. not, not actually being yeah. around in the sense that we know it. <laughs> when the thing, there was no concept of steel. Later, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was no concept of 45 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Not exactly. 45 degree latitude, yeah. not steel. Yeah. So this is actually, so this is creative. Those two things, <laughs> spot on. <Yeah. laughs> two birds are going to fall and there's going to be a fire. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we got. Like, I think that hits that hits problems uh, immediately. Um, I think, and then you got. Yeah, so you got what, all what these was ones. the what? Who was Nostradamus writing for? Who was his audience? I don't know actually. I'm not sure I know what, the what, audience what, was. What, 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 you know, 
what was he trying to write a bestseller or <laughs> <laughs> well he does he does call the he does call the book the prophecies and he um uh and he's also so he calls the book the prophecies yeah. but also has has been quoted several times as saying he's not a prophet which is in weird. The sense so of... I think he is acknowledging that. I think he's acknowledging himself that it's like a, it's a bit well, of fun. Consider, consider, call it, cons- calling himself a... considering <laughs> that he was an apothecary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe he had access to certain substances yeah. or smells, and we know. <laughs> and then there's then there's because it's so long ago. There's quite a lot of uh, people saying that lots of it was rewritten to suit <laughs> to suit the, to, to, to suit the predictions. It's, there's an accusation that's been hijacked politically, especially the stuff about a Muslim yeah. a Muslim invasion of Europe has is uh, kind of opens right. itself up for for being hijacked for people. That's already uh, happened before, anyway, hasn't it? Well, yeah. It's not like new, is it? No, it's not. Muslim invasion of Europe. I, I, I believe. But you could see. I mean, I think my point being that the, you could see how that would be hijacked politically, and then by, people run with it by by, the by fascists right or the left. <laughs> yes, or, the, or, 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 or by the way, it said that he wrote uh, predictions up to the year three thousand seven hundred ninety-seven. Hey. So we've got a way to go yet before we can see those nine. Uh-huh. Before yeah, we the, can get the, the evidence. The problem for is his, pred- his predictions are so poor. That yeah. nobody ever figures out what the auto after they happened. Yeah. <laughs> those those are not really predictions. No. <laughs> How can you say they have they're to a be prediction? Rewritten, after creatively after translated. <laughs> now, <laughs> after the event, actually, uh, it was mentioned many times, or in many uh, other investigations regarding Nostradamus that mm. he was scared about uh, religious uh, persecution. Right. That's why supposedly he obscured his message and oh. the predictions. And So he, he cut down on the accuracy. So he, he had, <laughs> just for a couple of he, false ones in there he just had the, for fun. He had the real juice, but he had to kind of smudge it for yeah. the, because he so was worried about this. This is the word that I was searching for because it's he used... Uh, Quatrains. Quatrains, yeah. Rhymed four line verses, a mixture of Greek, Italian, Latin, and Provencal, a dialect from southern France. Doesn't lend itself to laughs, I think, in that format, does it? No. So, yeah. (laughs) Translate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Translate that. That's right. Good luck. Uh, Yeah. So if we put that as like a zero out of ten. Well, that is our that is our baseline. Absolute base. So yeah. if, if we maybe come up one Although notch. I'd like to mention the Bible. The Bible, yes. Because that does predict the coming, second coming. Yes. You, you that to... is a prediction, isn't it? That's a, Okay, so that's a prediction, yes. Um, and I, I believe that it? is still a popular work of fiction around the world. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's the most popular book, is it? Most, most printed book is most the Bible. Bible... Uh, it's Atlas Shrugged and Watchtower. Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> Atlas I, understood, Shrugged. I understood that Atlas Shrugged was one of the most pr- most printed books, so. or maybe in the states or something. Could maybe be as well. Yeah. I thought maybe Garfield is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Appears in all newspapers every week. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or the cat with the hat, possibly <laughs> Doctor Seuss. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so... So if we take that as an absolute base, if we can maybe come, yeah. come up Which, one notch to something I, I want to... Let's move to, forwards. Uh, yes, just, just incre- incrementally. Yeah. Uh, I think this is... I, I think you disagreed with me, but I think this is of a tiniest bit of significance. Okay. There's this wonderful, wonderful painting by uh, J.M.W. Turner, Brit- uh. British uh, painter and, yeah. and kind of visionary guy. Um, 
and this his most famous painting, this Rain, Steam and Speed, has this... Uh, Which is the... Uh, the bridge is actually at Maidenhead, which is where I used to live. Oh, there we are. Are you in the painting? <laughs> I, I'm just in the background. He was there. I'm in the background. <laughs> Have you seen that spot there? <laughs> or holding a card, it's the future. <laughs> So you have this this train coming uh, from the background into the foreground yeah. kind of in a very, very dramatic fashion. And very. you've got an absolutely tiny little uh, drawing of a hare just in the front yeah. of it, just kind of running away from the train. And I thought this makes this this kind of anticipates all sorts of stuff about environmentalism and stuff that really hadn't really uh, hadn't been... Uh, Nor did even invented the word at the time. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that point. As it, I, I think I have the first... Uh, here we have the first systematic analysis of uh, the destructive impact on the environment in 18, 1864. Systematic. Systematic, systematic analysis. This is what I, this is what I got oh, right, from right, my research. Right, you got this, right. the, the, that's the first. So it, you've got environment. I mean, there's a, a long history of envir- environmentalism. Again, as I said, the earliest example I came off of any kind of environmentalism might be this guy enacting uh, oh, the, <laughs> to the, protect the birds on his private property yeah, like yeah. hundreds of years ago. But I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> I don't but, think so. But I do think, but this is uh, interesting that this, uh, the first time that uh, the analysis of uh, of our destructive impact on the environment came in in 1864, 20 years before that, you've got this painting, which does seem to have some sort of, an, uh, what I would think of but as an environmental question theme. question here, did he ever declare something like that? Or no. just somebody thought, hmm, that it, looks like we it, destroyed our... It's interpretive again. It's interpretative it? again, right? But, I, this, is, but this is what, why I mentioned to you, that, what, this is why... I, I could say that the guy... In my note. a fast trip to the west coast in the US in the Wild West and she's, he saw the trains and he saw the desert and things and he decided to maybe well, I think this does, this does come, come up with things about art especially I suppose in paintings and music where you're not actually writing something that is of course it's easier to evaluate something that is written down this is going to happen mm-hmm. in this year if you're drawing a painting or writing a piece of music then you actually you don't have it's not as uh, well it is then more, maybe it's a fundamentally abstract abstract so maybe it was a warm be, day um, or what now maybe it was a warm day and he felt like using warm colors to paint the well yeah but because those colors represent actually uh, warm. It's our warm colors. Yeah. So it would be representing heat or... Well, you've got all the heat coming off the off the train. You've got this wonderful kind of swirling yeah. It's a wonderful thing. picture. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a very, very special one. Um, yeah, but I... Yeah. I think... You think it's a, it's very interpretive. Oh, I think that, that uh, I, I would argue that obviously art, art can transcend things. So I would I would kind of think that maybe yeah. it could even uh, you. Would th- I would think that sometimes music and painting can can uh, could access a truth that's not necessarily available to science. Now I know you're going to no no I'm not, no I'm, I'm not going to say that because because it is a fact that if you look at certain um, uh, paintings, um, say from Da Vinci. And other religious paintings, a lot of those paintings have hidden messages in them, either yeah. through symbology or actual genuine coded stuff. And they were used to transmit. Uh, yeah, try and transmit messages into the future. Oh, yeah. say, right? So, but you had to be in the know to actually to figure it. out what the message was. Um, but obviously, art, visual art, 
does get used in that way, doesn't it? I just think the the particular example you came up with, the Turner thing, is just, you know, I just think it's yeah, okay. after the fact. It's a Nostradamus effect. Okay, well, I'm, uh, <laughs> can, can, can we get a one out of ten for that as opposed to the zero I'm, out of ten for Nostradamus? Absolu- or absolutely, yeah. We could get the one out of ten. I I'll, think we should I'll go take, for a one out of ten. I'll take the one out of ten it. for that one. Let's see okay. where we can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Then let's go to the next point. So next part, point we get onto the world of science fiction. Obviously, is going to be uh, makes oh, a tremendous. Uh, so I think the, the, you've got a huge number of predictions in science fiction. Science fiction is kind of all all about making predictions. Absolutely. Uh, I think frequently they they make a, a large number of predictions, and then it's very easy to then pick out the ones that kind of uh, happen. I, yeah. This one, the first one, one I've got to pick. I just got, came across just the last minute was uh, this Fritz Lang's film um, "Woman in the Moon," right, in uh-huh. nineteen twenty nine, which I think maybe we, a canon, right? Well, no, this is not. This is uh, now. If you look at it, this is actually goes much further than the the one you're thinking of. I think is the Georges Méliès oh, yeah. uh, film, which Man is in the Moon, "Man in the Moon," mm-hmm. something like that, which is mm-hmm. 30, I think twenty thirty years earlier. Uh, no, I think that's 1899-ish. Mm-hmm. I think so. so that's sort of 30 years before this one. Now, I think that makes an interesting comparison because if you compare the two, Woman in the Moon is much closer to what we now know from TV and stuff is what what it looks like to have a spaceship right. launching. It still looks like it comes out of a swimming pool. Right. But apart from the swimming pool thing... Like in Thunderbirds. <laughs> Thunderbirds. Oh, yes! <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't yeah. Spot that. So Fritz Lang has anticipated Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. <laughs> that is well, prediction. That, that's elevated that's a five in out my out book. <laughs> He's elevated in my book. Um, yeah, so, but it's very. But it, uh, and I think there's something that people draw attention to is that there are multiple stages to Fritz Lang's uh, spaceship launch. There are multiple stages. There's a countdown. Right. There's all this all this kind of stuff that is uh, that is kind of. I mean, if you watch it. You yeah, think in 1929, 40, year, Why would he 40 years before you've got the uh, man, on, the actual yeah. man on the moon and stuff. Um, Where did that come uh, from? There's, there's but the thing is that. not that, well, uh, maybe Carl might know better the date because right now I cannot get it. When the experimentation for B2 rockets uh, yeah. started? 30. In the 30s. 941, something like that. Okay, then yeah, it's farther than this because I was yeah. thinking that it could have come from all these theories. Yeah, for, but they weren't multi-stage, though, were they? They were single. But stage. a multi-stage could be already there. The idea, if you want to reach more, maybe yeah. you ignite another one after. Prob- probably, yeah, maybe there would have been hints about it, but why would yeah. this guy know about yeah, it? Yeah, true. I mean, no, that's it, the whole point is he doesn't it, know about it. it. Does, the whole it point. Does, he doesn't know about know. it. He's seen the future and then it's prediction. But I'm yeah, just but trying to see I, if I, there I, would be a logic behind it. Yeah, is there a logic? Could, yeah. could he have come across something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just trying to see if there's any other yeah, reason around. Yeah. But you, you're kind of, you know, I get this kind of idea that maybe ideas, because this all comes in a way, relates to the question of where do original ideas come well, from? Go, right? yeah. And... Maybe we've had this conversation. I'm sure me and Rafa have had yeah. this conversation about me personally. You steal I, all of your ideas. Uh, if I can. <laughs> um, I'm a developer and I develop new products. And I've often asked myself, where do these failing ideas come from that I keep having? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the thing is, is, there's a lot been written about where do ideas come from, and some people think, like on a philosophical level, that they they potentially just emerge out of nothing. They just they just 
occur. You could, if you're talking about prediction, maybe you're talking about something out of time where there's a timelessness somehow and the ideas are timeless. Yeah. They're information. They don't obey the laws of time. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's there's an infinite number of ideas out there and maybe from time to time somebody's feeble listen, human listen brain them, yeah. connects with an idea and that's how you get a prediction like that. And then when it catches on, that's when it starts to seem as though it is a, a highly accurate prediction yeah. in the future. Yeah, so, you know, it's where do ideas come from? Hmm. It's difficult to know. So, mm-hmm. well, and then the next, so the next one on the list is the is the the daddy. This two thousand. You know, I saw this when it came Odyssey. out. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't know, which that. wasn't in two thousand and one. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was in sixty eight. I think was two thousand and one. It was the uh, year before the moon landing, wasn't it? Yes. So I even remember that. And there's some, I mean, there's some wonderful stuff. About, this is my favourite film of all time. There's some wonderful stuff you can hear on, see on the internet. There's a wonderful, one of my favourite things on the whole of the internet is yeah. a recording of Stanley Kubrick talking about it just in the aftermath of Doctor Strangelove. Right. He's talking, he's like one of the only Which interviews he ever gave because he stopped giving interviews. Mm. He do, he's obviously uncomfortable giving interviews and that's part of the fun of this. Yeah. There's a wonderful recording of him talking about, oh, I've got an idea for this sci-fi movie. There's, and it's got yeah. just at that stage, and it's a really, really cool interview. I think it's with, no, it's not with Playboy, but there's there's another written interview with Playboy, which is interesting. There's a nice one. It's very nice here. Listening to this interview, the guy's kind of irritating Kubrick. You can hear Kubrick's irritated by this interview, kind <laughs> of thing. And he's just it's just at the gestation stage of 2001. So that's a really, really nice thing. Anyway, Space Odyssey's got a load of predictions about the future. It has. It is mm-hmm. engineering wise. It's yeah. And it's a standout, right? I think. Yeah, and we've got that, and we've, so we've got uh, uh, Alexa now, or Google, whatever the Google, Wonderful. Google Home, Google Home is. You've got uh, Skype. You've got. I uh, think people talk about the iPad. But there's Cortana. a ta- there's a tablet thing. Uh, In flight movies. I didn't. I didn't realize that yeah. was something that yeah. that kind of came from. And the- of course, it had those right at the beginning of the movie. I think it begins with that space plane that comes up to the from the Earth. Mm-hmm. That kind of concept of single stage to orbit technology. Ah, yeah. We we still haven't quite got the technologies just about there. This um, what's it called? Um, Reaction Engines. It's a British company, and they've developed this engine, which is they've got European funding for. Uh-huh. And this engine runs like a normal ish jet engine to take off from a runway and then it converts into an atmospheric Uh breathing engine Uh to take it into orbit. Uh One engine does both jobs. And it's a British company called Reaction Engines and and they had to invent this really clever bit of technology that cooled air down from like super hot coming in to like something like minus 40 or something without icing up. And they created this buffer thing on the front of the engine that does that, which they've now got world patents on. And other countries said that was impossible, and these guys have done it. (laughs) So single stage to orbit technology is arriving shortly. So that, Mm -hmm. that space plane scene, which was a Pan Am 
yeah, yeah. space plane, right? <laughs> yeah. That's that's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. So that's there's, there's some there's some cool stuff going. Even so. spacesuits, yeah, the ones you see in, uh, in space Odyssey. In yeah, look at the one now of uh, the Elon, Roster, Musk one. Elon Musk one. Very similar. It's pretty much resembles. It would not surprise me if there were some design influences. Exactly, in it. could sure be yeah. deliberately to uh-huh. pick up on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but 2001 was tremendous for that. Did you see 2010? No, you've not seen 2010. No, I, I, Bob Kubrick didn't approve of it, did he? <laughs> it's not Kubrick approved, or and but Kubrick is, is it wasn't his story, was it? It was Arthur C. Clarke. No, no, I think they both they collaborated both. What there was collaboration mm. both ways. 2010 is a very good movie. Is that it, so? It's worth it's worth seeing. Totally. I think it's on DVD somewhere. So totally might, worth seeing. I might check that out. It's got a very. There's a very good composer. Uh, did the score for that, so that would yeah. be an interesting. So, yeah. Uh, so you've got that, but there are some things that uh, that haven't happened. So you don't have space travel being commonplace by by 2001. Well, it, uh, you don't have suspended animation still seems a long way away, although suspended animation is such, something that's so common in... Um, sci-fi. In more it, well, it's not even in sci-fi. It goes back to Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and stuff. As a concept. Yeah, as a concept. Like, there's a very, very... There's a lot of it about it. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's because of the natural world with hibernation, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Is that idea right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of being able to sleep yes, through because it it's, it does yes because as you say it does happen in the natural. It's a world. it's a natural extension of that, but um, again, two thousand one or Arthur C. Clarke's book, which I think was written in the, the late fifties, actually. Uh, well, they worked. They collaborated on it. I think. I they so. We can we can discuss that later, but uh, that whole thing of journeying to the moon and. There being mm-hmm. a base on the moon, I think possibly before Dan, who's only about twelve, by the time Dan kicks the bucket, <laughs> although we Could may have, we may have achieved immortality by then, who knows? Um, uh, but by the time Dan's an old man, there could well be a base and hotels on the moon, and because you know there is a company we've discussed it before. Yeah called Bigelow Industries, and it's mm-hmm. actually owned by a real estate developer in Las Vegas. <laughs> what was that? An ambulance passing by. Anyway, uh, Bigelow, uh, he's a billionaire, made his money out of real estate in Nevada. He started this company called Bigelow Industries. He went to NASA, had a rummage through their back catalogue of stuff we don't use anymore. <laughs> Because because Congress keeps cutting our budget, and he pulled out a folder and said, "Can I buy this off you?" And NASA said, "Yeah, go on." I think he bought it for thirty million or something. And basically, they were inflatable modules, right, mm-hmm. for space-based habitats. And Bigelow yeah. Industries took it, the technology. They've got one in orbit independently right now. You can, I think they've still got a live feed on it. They've got a module attached to the International Space Station, an inflatable module, and they are currently planning a multi-module lifeboat to go into Earth orbit to be a lifeboat for the International Space Station, eventually to become a hotel. (laughs) Well, there we are. That's Bigelow Industries. Should we try and put it on TripAdvisor? 
<laughs> Heading for number one. Yeah. Oh, it won't be too difficult if it's Orbital Hotel. <laughs> and at number one again this week. <laughs> so I think, again, we're on the cusp, aren't we, of mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yes, I, some of it hasn't quite happened by 2001, but still, I mean, I think it's impressive enough if it, if it happens kind of soon. I think you'd, you'd chalk yeah. that one up as a tick, yeah, maybe. Within a generation. <laughs> yeah, within a generation, yeah. I think that's and reasonable. You're still talking about uh, movies, I think we mentioned before, yeah. uh, Back to the Future. Back to the you know, Future. Where we were supposed to have already uh, hoverboards. Hover, yeah, hoverboards, well, that's happening, right? That's kind of happening yes. it's not really not there really. have been some uh, experiments and, you know, <laughs> there is that one that's yeah. uh, i think it's te- not no, tesla, not tesla. Uh, it's uh, a car company right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they've got that special uh, track rink ring yeah. you know like a skateboard rink but it's um uh, metal mm-hmm. and the skateboard the skateboard has hoverboard has superconducting magnets that they have to load into it Fine, done. And apparently it's an absolute bitch to actually <laughs> try and make <laughs> You know, you stand yeah. on it and whack! <laughs> <laughs> can imagine. Can you imagine that? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Flying cars Not and really. things like that. Flying cars, no. we're still struggling there. Tennis shoes that tie themselves. Yeah. I think that's what Velcro was invented for, to be honest. Or maybe. You know, that they, they actually released the tennis shoes. Nike released the tennis shoes. The self-tining yeah. ones. How does that Not work? Not self Tiny, but you know, like with the lights and everything. The lights. The lights. That was not before. Yeah. Right, right. Lights. Why do you need lights on tennis shoes? Just remind me again. Because kids love it. And that was oh, it's for super kids. cool. It's for kids. Yeah. But then they have they've had those for years, haven't they? Uh, Where you? Ste- I don't think there were before they, uh, they Back to the Future. Or oh, before Back to the Future. Oh no, not so. before Back to the oh. Future. No. Um, I think one of the things you said about 2001, though, is that it's uh, Kubrick will have met with all of these guys. I, um, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. I, he was very so meticulous. Not, yeah. He would have met with all the industry uh-huh. gurus, with all the... It'll have gone... Look, he used... He was given permission to put Pan Am on his space plane. Yeah, yeah. You can be sure he was sat down at the skunk works at Boeing going, oh, what's coming up, guys? Yeah, you know, yeah. What's going to happen in the next 30 years? Just, you know, tell me. Yeah, yeah, And they'll be showing him, you know, well, we think yeah. this might happen. Because because the um, space plane that was in uh, 2001, um, it was Lockheed Martin got the contract to develop the X-35 space plane that got scrapped uh-huh. if you google that that's gone but that used this atmospheric breathing engine which was unbelievable mm. um that was meant to be single stage orbit launched off a ramp like uh-huh. that. and it looks very similar to that pan am space yeah, that, plane that in 2001 one, yeah. and it was and the project was scrapped like 25 years ago mm. so all this stuff would have been washing around, yeah. I reckon, you know. So. Next. So it's quite cool. So then this, this next one. This Brazil, the change, movie, right? Yeah, change change of uh, subject completely, really. This but this one, I think, is one particular thing which I thought was, uh, I think it was a very good. Prescient. I think this is a very good prescient one. Uh, I agree with that. Lifting up the, 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 the number 
our score out of ten. So what are we? What are we giving? Like two thousand and one. That's two thousand one. We got. We're going to give it. I think we still can't. They can't quite get to premonition. It's not premonition, can, is it? But I think we can get to. I think we can get to three, decent uh, prediction. At least, prediction. Yeah, decent prediction. Maybe three or four. Three or a lot, four. Lot, lot of hard work into it. I think we should um, have some hits. Should we agree to have a measure for prediction and, and a measure for, for premonition? premonition. Yeah, okay. Because two thousand one for prediction was. Pretty damn good. It was pretty good, yes, very accurate. So lots of, yeah, high mark a lot of A lot of yeah. stuff going on there. And this one is a, spe- a specific one, which I thought was interesting. So Brazil is kind of a, a funny film, but also like, Terry, really terrifying. Terry Gilliam. And yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, Terry Gilliam film. Yeah. Um, Have you seen it, Rafa? Uh, it's a bit uh, weird, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very, very special film. There's a very nice back and forth you can read about uh, Terry Gilliam trying to persuade the States to uh, release it. Mm-hmm. And they try to get him to make changes, and he sends a letter back saying, "You know, I, I absolutely will never change this film. <laughs> You're over my dead exactly. body." There's <laughs> a nice little, there's a nice little um, thing you can re- uh, read. Uh, anyway, so in, in Brazil, the Brazil kind of kicks off with this uh, typing error on, uh-huh. which is a bit weird because so this is in well, na- 1986, I think Brazil's. But made. it was a bit. Steampunk, really. So, steampunk, yeah. so, although uh-huh. it's in 86, you've still yeah. got them all on typewriters. So they're going backwards, they're yeah. going kind of into the past and in the future. Well, the, the interesting thing about the whole look of the movie was steampunk as a concept didn't exist then. But that movie had the look of steampunk about it. Uh, and it okay. does make you wonder whether that movie yeah. influenced Influence the steampunk movement, movement. Because in that movie, there's a lot of stuff... Yeah. That is like technology stuff wrapped up in wood and yeah. brass and yeah, it's really which weird. is the whole so, steampunk thing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, you have this type typing error on a typewriter, which causes yeah. the uh, this innocent character Archibald Buttle to be uh, hauled in prison and actually <laughs> accidentally killed yeah. instead of <laughs> this uh, terrorist uh, uh, played by Robert De Niro called Archibald Tuttle. Tuttle. So you've got this, this this thing and you see the error happen on the typewriter at the beginning of the film, Buttle and Tuttle, Buttle and Tuttle. And uh, and, and then this guy, the guy gets killed. Anyway, the, I was comparing this to in 2011, you get the story of Nigel Lang, uh, yeah. a very serious story. That he's yeah. arrested on suspicion of sharing inde- indecent images of children. Yeah. And... Uh, his reputation's ruined. He's lost his job. He's had subsequent mental health problems. All this kind of stuff. And he, but he had to hire a solicitor f- to discover to dig that, it up. In fact, the police the police had mistyped an IP address. <laughs> oh my god! And <laughs> uh, imagine all these all these consequences. All, yeah. and it's all as a result of a human human error typing error, which chimes in with what we've often talked about about. In this technology-driven world, the weakest link is it's always the human. human. It's, it's between the, the chair and the desk. It's the water site with the brain. <laughs> and, do, and do you think that actually the, the tech, because you start to rely on tech more, you, it actually exacerbates things because you start to think of a technology as having a higher degree of uh, safety, of accuracy. So when you get an IP address, you go, well, yeah. a computer can't be wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well we've, we've, we extended this discussion, I think, in another mm-hmm. episode about... Talking about AI, which is obviously something yeah. that's coming fast, mm-hmm. and about how um, it's already becoming a concern that um, the people who are creating the knowledge bases for the AIs are inadvertently inputting their biases into the AI. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that this could result in miscarriages of justice. It could, you know, all kinds of mm-hmm. weird decisions. 
but unfortunately, might get to the point where nobody actually understands well, how got, that yeah, well, got in there wrong, in the first yeah. place. Right? So it will never be as simple as a simple typo, I suspect. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. So I think the typo, I think for, as a, as is a, a good, premonition, I yeah. think that's a good, that's a good, good score. I, I think that's a, a healthy one. Should we give that a uh, as a kind of a, a warning yeah, yeah, about yeah. technology yeah, 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 yeah. and its fallibility? <laughs> Or our fallibility coupled with technology, it's got to be up there, hasn't it? I think, that's, I think that one's up there. Um, then we've got some some stuff about iRobot. I think you will have not. Have you you've read iRobot? I've, well, yeah. I've read all the books, yeah. the original books. I mean, I, as a rapper, I suppose. Yeah. The yeah. only thing I had on this is I, I do remember that when I was going to see the film and seeing that contactless thing. Oh, and think no. I remember thinking back in two thousand and whenever that was. Yeah, but I don't think that was in the book. That they had that beep. Oh, I don't know. If, I don't know. If I don't think that was in the book. Oh well, but that makes it more interesting about the film then. Um, Actually, what I found more interested about. Well, not really, because I suspect when iRobot the movie came out, that technology was, was already in uh, the pipe. Clo- yeah, yeah. That, that close anyway. So, yeah. I think more about the robot series was the ideas about artificial intelligence. Again, exactly the evolution of the artificial yeah. intelligence, yeah. and the fact that they could arrive to, for example, Bicentennial Man. Yeah. Asking for rights. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that? That's quite good. TBS and book also is good. You should read the original iRobot. Yeah. Yes, it struck me. I think seeing the film, it struck me that I've. I bet the book is much, kind of, much more substantial. Uh, It's has more to it. I think it's. Yeah. Because I thought some of the concepts are are, are really quite clever. One thing that probably kind of got into a lot of people working with AI right now nowadays. Mm. Were the three laws? Yeah, which so you've got this and the three laws and of course create the moral problem, which is that actually uh-huh. it's a computer to judges overall that they're going to save all your lives by locking you in your house. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I'm just obeying the first law. Well, what, what, yeah, but what is interesting, of course, about all this is it does have direct relevance to um, uh, driverless cars. Yep. Exactly, right? Driverless car technology will ultimately have to what we would call currently make a moral decision. So if it's driving along and it's got a choice between injuring the passenger and killing the the pedestrian pedestrian, or whatever, which choice is it going to make and why? And how did it arrive at that decision? Yeah. You can imagine it being hauled into court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the di- that's the dilemma at the start of iRobot, at least the film, is that the, the robot uh, lets, a... the, lets the girl die because she's got a 30% chance of surviving. Yeah. Yeah. And Will Smith feels that he's... That the robot should have let him because actually 30% for a small girl is, is better she had a life, morally right? than yeah. his, his, him at... With yeah. his eighty percent chance of survival, but, which is an interesting time. I mean, that's not that's not an easy. Well, the whole thing about the robot series was it explored, mm-hmm. it teased apart, didn't it? The three laws of robotics, that, exactly. In a whole series mm. of stories, how, how can you really? Um, uh, there's a lot of scope. I can see there's stretch a lot of scope. those laws. Yeah, and the point of current break. current views are that those three laws are now inadequate. They are viewed as inadequate. exactly. They're no good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, 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 yeah. But what they're providing, who knows what they're providing? Well, what they are providing is a framework for the AIs yeah. of more or less, like you said, that now that they are not considered like perfect yeah. to be used. We know for, they're not perfect. Yeah. 
they but it served as a base to consider how an AI in reality should behave. Yeah. And that's actually where I started a debate and came up to this conclusion that, well, now that AI is here and you see that it's not only in the book, but mm. in reality, mm. it doesn't really fit mm. uh, those three laws. It doesn't. In, no. At all. So, uh, and in fact, there are there is actually, I think it's either a United Nations or some that kind of body, that they have a section to do with evolving what should be society's... Uh, kind of uh, reaction or how does AI fit into the framework of <laughs> of all of that of all this stuff uh-huh. yeah. and how do we avoid all these contentious situations? I mean, you can imagine with a car, a driverless car, that when the when the when the uh, driverless car software AI, whatever you want to call it, gets into one of these decision thing is it just does a over to you thing right? yes and then you well, make, i don't know you're the one this who's be- insured not me <laughs> <laughs> yes this is beyond me yeah because this is going to cause all kinds of problems with insurance isn't it yeah because we've discussed this before if a driverless car has a crash yeah whose fault is it? who's the fault of- yeah, yeah yeah and yes yeah. Uh, who, who gets the legal yeah thing. why should the the owner of the car be responsible because he didn't make that decision. And yeah, if it's the maker of the car, or if it's the other, that was the thing that immediately wasn't there. The one where they put the driverless car, one of the first uh, live tests of a driverless car, there was an accident like within thirty minutes or something. <laughs> and it was there was a human. There was there was a, an act of uh, an aspect of human error. Some someone else mm-hmm. made an error. Yeah. And the driverless car didn't respond to it in the same in a the correct way that a human would right. have responded to the other human's error. Right. Did that make that? Yeah, 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 makes that, sense. That's yeah. something that, that that happened. And yeah, but it opens up this it's a minefield of I think from I still can't get from my, personally I can't I can't see how driverless cars work unless you have all driverless cars. I think or humans not, or none. I, I think the thing the humans have to go. Have, I, think that's the, I think you have to, and then uh, yeah. I don't, then I don't know how it happens because I don't know how you do it without doing it incrementally. Yeah. You just have bits of cities that are only driverless cars, but I, I don't know how like zones. Get there. Or, yeah, I, you could have driverless zones. You yeah, could, yeah. or you could have your driverless car that you you switch off the you switch off the drive over to you during the driverless zone. Well, for example, zone, on, then, yeah, no, it does make on sense, motorways, you could have yeah. a lane reserved for driverless there, cars. Yeah, there you go. And then they all convoy up. You know, yeah. A foot off each other's bumper. <laughs> yeah. and then, the when it all goes wrong, then they all get punished at once. <laughs> um, yeah. They all got, no, it was his fault. <laughs> anyway. So, is there anything you wanted to put in on Star Trek? I'm, I'm well, my, you asked me. Well, I did, yeah. Well, please, go, go for the go for those. Well, if we talk Star about ones. Star Trek and... One of the typical examples was the communicators. Flip phone, right? Flip phones, yeah. Flip what, phones. Which, yeah. I mean, when, the I, Motorola when I was ones. young, <laughs> the flip phone was super cool. <laughs> you were cool. Now it, they look weird. Now it looks very weird. They, they use them in the, the Matrix, and that looks that's like the most dated part of the Matrix, is the and flip wasn't phone. The, really cool. In the Matrix, you know, wasn't it a sliding phone like that? Uh, maybe it was. It wasn't yeah. a flip, because Nokia yeah, had just brought out another slider phone. Sliding. From the Matrix. Oh, another fo- oh I'll definitely get because that. Because it came from... In the- fact, I remember my wife had a Nokia that was sliding like this. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool. To the side. Oh, that yeah. was super cool. Like, yeah. Super, super design yeah. stuff, uh-huh. yeah. So, yeah, just talking about Star Trek. Again, not premonition, I think. Prediction, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Well, Maybe it was some premonition. The medical injectors. Some of these things look so futuristic that they can't have been being discussed seriously at the time. Some of those. Maybe things some of it there. is premonition because it was like tablets, definitely. Yeah. Obviously, the kind of communicator flip phone stuff. These the me- medical technologies, like you were writing during the notes, yeah. for scanning. Yeah. Now, what non-invasive, right? Yeah, maybe it's too big, but we're using technologies nowadays. Well, now you can actually get a DNA sequencer that's as big as a a flash card. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's incredible, incredible. Yeah, yeah. and there is actually an X Prize. You know the X Prize stuff. Mm -hmm. There's an X Prize for a tricorder, as as. A medical device first shown yeah. in Star Trek. There is uh-huh. actually a, a global prize for whoever comes up with one of those first. And I think somebody has won the first stage of it. Hmm. You probably don't know what a tricorder is, but it's from <laughs> it's from Star Trek. It was like a handheld diagnostic like, device. Do you remember oh, yeah, the palm okay, one, you know, the palm I, I, devices? The what? Palm devices. Yeah, like those. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And you know, we, they had even like you know. Yeah, and you like you know. Wave it about. Yes, no, I have something. I've got, I've got some Star Trek uh, familiarity. So, so, yeah, there's a, there's actually a global prize to develop one of those. Oh, there we or, go. Or, you know, similar functions. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I think Star Trek, pretty cool. And even down to the warp drives, there is active research going on in that field. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. weird, right? Yeah. You know what I like? I like and actually... Kind of Samsung is tried with their phones, yeah. the instant translation from one other language. Oh, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Because in Star Trek, the yeah, insignias, the badges, right? the badges that's, yes, no, I remember you that. Thought, it, it was instant translation. Yeah. You could understand any other creature, the yeah. language. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was very, a very cool concept. But I, and it would have seemed really, really out there at the time. But I understood because I read a book about the making of the original Star Trek series. That that was a that was a trick they came up with because they they realised oh how are we going to talk to aliens yeah yeah oh, actually, practical thing and they actually came up with that as a yeah. way of getting around that problem. yeah yeah so that they could just talk in English a good one you can't just have them talking in English with a Cockney accent yeah, that's right. but interestingly it was a, like a, a an intuitive solution to an actual real problem yeah yeah and they kind of cut mm-hmm. through it all and got to a yeah. Nowadays, you can have, for example, some phones, even Google Translate does this. Mm. You scan, you open Google Translate, and you scan the text from a newspaper, from, mm-hmm. and it tells you the translation. You can go in a subway station, scan the sign in Chinese, right. and tells you in English, for example, I, what I, is the translation. But I thought an iPhone had an app for that. As well. uh, it's Google Seriously. Translate. Yes. There's, there's a, a thing that you can just... Yeah, that's, that's not Take the first a time I've heard snap, about something. That, and it just translates it. Samsung came with it with its own really? as well. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we've got some, uh, we've got some political predictions. Oh, yeah. um, I think this first oh. one, I think we've established, we've established that this is perhaps not, so we'll start again at maybe a zero out of ten, perhaps. My understanding of this, this thing with Hitchcock's film Notorious in 1946 right. is that he wrote this script and he used uh, his his thing which he calls the MacGuffin. A MacGuffin is a device, a plot device, it's an, an object or something that the characters all care about mm. but the viewer doesn't is not interested in. The yep. viewer is interested in the relationships between the characters and all those sort of stuff. And in uh, Notorious, the MacGuffin is uh, uranium ore. Right. 
Uh, and my understanding of this story is that when the government found out that this is what Hitchcock's film was about, they st- they got really spooked and had him tailed. They got upset. Uh, and I, but, and to me, that seems like uh, pretty... Uh, I think that's, that's quite clever, if, he's, if he has predicted that. Uh, but you had a different take. You had a different... Well, I did have a different that's, take. That's how it? I tell the story. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my different take on it was uh, really he was just reflecting current events because the Manhattan Project was during no. that period. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it came to an end around the time the movie came out. And uh, although it was still a secret, um, I you know these things always leak, right? Yeah. yeah. So I suspect there was information out there. Oh, so yeah. Well, yeah. You can see you can see why they maybe try, tried to. Um... Well, it's you know the Cold War had started. By yeah, yeah. Way, so yes. paranoia was the order <laughs> of the day, right? Mm-hmm. So this next so? this next one I've got is the Joseph Heller book uh, Catch Twenty Two. You will have read Catch yeah. Twenty Two. So you've mm-hmm. got this uh, in. He's got all sorts of wonderful characters in yeah. the, in, in the book. With this one particular one, Milo Minderbinder. Uh, <laughs> Great who's, uh, who's the mess officer at the the base? Yeah. He starts uh, taking um, <laughs> taking up bits of the local resources and then selling them on to uh, troops, to Americans and stuff, yeah. and making a profit. And this seems in to, a time on a tradition, I suspect. Yeah, but this seems to be. I think this does sort of anticipate all, the next kind of fifty years of uh, American kind of exploitation of these of these war zones and African mm-hmm. countries and all this kind of stuff. You've got all the, the continuing scandals. Um, Not just American, I suspect. No, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a, a nice a, like uh, thing that he's got. Uh, and then we have oh, this is a re- this is a really fun one. So the thick of it is a, a UK. Sitcom. This is quite a nice one for being quite immediate. These things happen yeah. really quite uh, close to each other. Again, I think this is not premonition. This is just I, for me. I think this is quite spooky. They I mean, were mixing is... in that whole crowd, that whole Islington bloody faux intellectual scene. <laughs> well, I'm they, sure they right? refute. They refute that. Armando Ian. Yeah, I'm sure they refute, do. Yeah. <laughs> refutes that. Um, he said. I mean, he says that he uh, he didn't. Uh, he never met um, uh, Alistair Campbell. I'm until, sure he didn't. Uh, after the the, the 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 first series, and and he they, well, the way he tells it is that all these these MPs come up to him and say, "Well, you've really got you're really you're on the money that. here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want but a job?" After the but like after after the fact, I don't know. I, I tend to believe that. Anyway, this is. I mean, the, 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 this nice particular nice one is that there's a thing about uh, a storyline about primary school breakfast clubs having their funding cut All and right. then literally hours after the program aired they've got this big this scandal breaks about the cutting to primary school breakfast clubs and then a nice another nice one about the creation of the, the there was actually then so that was one week and then literally the next week they've got an episode about uh where they created a the liberal wing of the coalition create a government bank Mm-hmm. A community bank, yeah, some yeah, some yeah. kind of weird liberally yeah, kind of wishy washy kind of thing, yeah. right? Uh, and then again, they just happened. Then it happened directly, like yeah. the week after the, the program was aired. But you're you're <laughs> you're incredibly suspicious of that. Okay, I'm very suspicious <laughs> yeah. of that. I've just got a feeling they're just talking to all what, the right people. I don't people. know what the, what would the ministers have? What would they have to gain by leaking their ideas to? Well, a it's not the ministers, is it? It's it's it makes them look like melons. It's I mean, the secretaries. It's the assistants. It's the runners. It's 
you really think that? I mean, have you seen? Um, are, are you familiar with Armando Iannucci? Yeah, have you yeah, seen yeah. him? You've seen him in interviews and stuff. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as the sort of person who'd be kind of snivelling around, like you, you're kind of implying he's kind of listening in and pub conversations. I'm, like, sure, he di- in I'm sure he didn't. You're sure he didn't? There's people who can do that for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you th- so to clarify, you think Armando Iannucci has a team of private investigators who go around. <laughs> all I'm saying get, is, get I'm sure to come up with the kind of uh, political satire he comes up with, he has to be very well informed. <laughs> How that occurs is another subject. Fair enough, fair enough. And then the 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 peak of this in this the political segment, I think, yeah. has to be the uh, the first episode of Black Mirror, where yeah. they, oh that one, the, the yeah. pig, with the yeah. whole yeah. thing about the prime minister yeah. having having to have sex with a pig, and then yeah. that by two or three years predated the 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 Piggate scandal yeah. for David Cameron, which he managed yeah. to he managed to get away with. I mean, it was only a couple of days of awkwardness. Yeah, but I'm not sure how much <laughs> truth there is in that whole thing. Not not that I'm not defending him at all. Right? I'd love it to be totally true, but I really? just what, I I really do do just wonder about that again. <laughs> but I mean, just, that it broke as a story is, I think, in itself. I mean, that was. <laughs> So, I mean, and you remember watching that episode at the time. I think we all we've all watched this. You watched that episode at the time, and you go, "This is, this is mad." This, this, is yeah. this okay, yes, okay. Yeah. But uh, then it was because Black Mirror started out as a Channel Four Channel Four show. Uh, yeah, it was Charlie Booker, Four. Yeah, and then it got bought by Netflix. Was Netflix. It? I, I, I get, it's on I, Netflix now. now you can see it? all in all episodes in Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, of course, not the streamer <laughs> provider. <I'm laughs> but it's in mine. And, so. and, and I don't want to switch because I know that yeah. Amazon will buy it but if don't I switch. Get, just, you have to get multiple ones. Or what you have to do is get friends that who has. have an account yeah. and mm. are generous and will give you their second oh, login or whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That is the uh, clever thing to do. I'll see you after the broadcast. <laughs> and you can tell me how to get away on the payroll of that thing. Um, good. So then, uh, next thing we have these predictions about generally about modern life. I actually think these are more potentially scary or disturbing uh-huh. when you get these creepily well thought out dystopian, usually dystopian. Yeah, it's never a good outcome. Really. No, no, no. Right, sure. So you've got you put in Orwell's. Uh, Eight, 1984, yeah. I think, predates Fahrenheit 451. I think it's a oh, bit definitely, later. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, but you, you think this is mistakenly thought of as predictive. Well, I think it's fairly well, ex- it's fairly well accepted, but mm-hmm. although it's regarded... It was a criticism, yeah. Yeah, it was a criticism of 1948 Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was a criticism of. So, although it's kind of thought of as, you know, dystopian Britain, it's not really... I mean, not not having read it, I was wondering if there was anything in it that you think it might have even anticipated something like no, the NSA. But there is something in Nostradamus about that. Oh, that's uh, which Snowden <laughs> and the NSA. Snowden and NSA yeah. came up in Nostradamus. What yeah. did he say? Clearly, I'm kidding. <laughs> God, for God's wow. sake, Dan! <laughs> you fell for it like. <laughs> How like, could you fall for that one? Like lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> So you get the gullible score there. Yeah, the gullible you, score out of you've 10. got nine out of ten on that one. So right, yes, okay, yeah. all right. Well, there we are. So, yeah. so we've got the um, so we've got the, that as a starter one, and then this is the one I particularly like is of uh, Fahrenheit four five one, the Ray, Ray Bradbury novel. Yeah, and in this in the in this 
the book and the film, the characters, apart from the protagonist who kind of manages to break out of all of it, the characters are all obsessed with watching this program on TV and it's on, if they've got like four walls right. of their apartment, they've mm. all got TVs, yeah. like all four walls and every single one of them shows this TV program. It's the same TV program all the time and it's called right. The Family. Right. And that's really, really spooky. It's like, you know, you'd, you've, uh, in this dystopian <laughs> world that Ray Bradbury's portraying, we've lost the idea of uh, our real family and we, instead we have this surrogate family right. on the on the TV. Right. And you think, oh, that sounds really weird. That You know, that's uh, really weirdo kind of stuff. And then you have, uh, then you look at what the most pro- popular programmes of the 21st century. Recently discovered by Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a lesser known programme called Friends, which right. to me is like, it's just as uh, the... Clo- like a as surrogate, close as anything to surrogate the family, family right? uh, and it is, and it's the thing that people you turn to com- turn to for comfort. In fact, around nine eleven, Friends had its absolute top viewing figures when everyone needed their comfort. That's every- you've got this huge swarm yeah. of people flocking to this program as something they know, <laughs> and it's something that something and familiar. it's all surrogate. These people are not your friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they, they don't live together. But they but in our in our modern life, I think they they that's that is what they do. They do stand in as a surrogate. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. A, a surrogate, and I think that's uh, <laughs> this sort of. Uh, so you your your your. Proposal is that Fahrenheit four five one the family is scarily this, is this close to uh, to, now, to for, specifically for all, that for all you people not watching this on television. <laughs> Dan was holding his fingers very close together there. Well, there we are. So we got that, got that yeah. one. Then and then the next one is this uh, film, uh, the nineteen seventy six film Network. Yeah. Um, Very good movie. Oh, it's an incredible film, incredible uh, script. The script for the film is um, amazing. And now they, after the film, mm. the, it was said that this, there was, this. I mean, this sounds appalling, that there was a suicide of Christine Chubbuck on, on air, July 15th, yeah. 1974. She did actually shoot herself mm. on air to the shock of kind of everyone, everyone watching. And Who then people, rang in and complained, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't realistic enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, so there was this thing, I and mean, then everyone ass- assumed that that influenced network. But actually, what the what the the storyline in which the the presenter I think threatens to commit suicide on yeah. air was a hundred percent part of the storyline before that happened. So that's yeah. that is an example of a, of a writer of really having their finger on the pulse. Life to the extent. To the extent that, I mean, it's not even, but you see, that's even, uh, in a way, when the art has happened mm. and then something happens in life to imitate it, like all of this stuff with 2001, mm. it's actually less of a coincidence because the people, as you say, Elon Musk and whatever, will have seen 2001 and will be making references Correct. to it, right? Correct. Whereas this, the, net, the film doesn't exist yet Yeah. when this, this incident with Christine Chubbuck happens and it's something that someone's just has started writing about just literally and at the same time they're writing it so that, coincidental uh, yes in time spooky spooky coincidence sort spooky. of six out of ten on the premonition scale six spooky. out <laughs> of ten folks yes uh the only one i could come up with was this have you seen this thx no uh, again this is one I've, had, I've had on dvd for a long a really time, interesting movie it's, it's actually um george lucas's first exactly movie. it's the first movie of lucas that's where he yeah. got the name also for yeah. the company that's right and he actually uh. made it as a end of college project mm-hmm. which is amazing I, that is impressive, i think yeah. it cost three million dollars or something 
You have you know, three million dollars you know around you, at the end. You know of the how you do. You have got all this leftover well, cash after well, college. You know, he he didn't go out that much, you know. So he saved, <laughs> saved just <laughs> pennies here and there, <laughs> big jars, you know. And suddenly, you got three million for the film. So he that was quite a weird film in that uh, it was an overpopulation problem. People had been forced underground, uh-huh. living in these kind of hive communities, um, and. Um, there was a kind of mandated drug regime to keep people placid. Yes, do you think that's happened in any way yet? No, but I think it's... And what is your view on the, the Ritalin argument with... Uh, well, we're not all on it, are we? ADD. <laughs> well, I have an interesting relationship. are not putting it in the water yet. No, no, no. <laughs> but I think some people have very feel very strongly about that uh, being uh, oversubscribed... Without um, a doubt, and then it does have it has this controlling, um, yeah, well, this uh, pacifying, pacifying effect. effect yeah, uh, I have, I know, I'm very close to someone who who uses it, who feels that they they well, ha- they do have a diagnosis recreationally. No? <laughs> very funny, yeah. <laughs> who they do feel they have a diagnosed problem. It <laughs> makes a, a serious difference, especially when they're driving right, right. and when they're doing exams and things. But they tend not to use it. Out, Operating out, heavy machinery out, outside of those things. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then then there's, then there's a, lo- a wealth of research but, that, it's, that it's. I think this is something I would accept that there are places in which it is oversubscribed. With any kid who's at all playing up at school, will just get yeah. But certainly in the US it. for sure. Yeah. But but we are increasingly becoming a drugged society, aren't we? Because yeah. if if you look at say the I don't know the statistics of everywhere, but if you look at the UK, the number of people, uh, percentage of the population who are on some form of psychotropic like uh, you know mood enhancers. Oh yeah, yeah. For you know mild depression or slight mm-hmm. anxiety, blah blah. It's huge. It's the percentages, millions, right? Millions. I, I can't tell you the number exact, but it is disturbing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, and well. the problem is, it's being driven partly by profit. So, like in the US, they've got this opioid problem with yeah. over-the-counter stuff that is driven by profit. Yeah. And I think societies are becoming increasingly um, drugged. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. You really see it in the States. I feel like, well, I, uh, I went to, when I was in Canada, I, that was one of the really things I noticed that stuck out as a difference between mm. Canada and Europe. Is if you go into a chemist, you've got aisles and aisles of drugs. Yeah. Can't, and a huge and a huge selection for each type. You've got a huge selection. It just goes on forever. Yeah. And there's such amount, uh, like, it's a re- I think it's a real warning to us not to... Uh, not yeah. to you don't have to imitate mix. everything. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then okay. I thought we'd wrap up with the uh, anything that we've yeah. seen that we think we're going to put our stick our neck on the line and say, mm-hmm. I think this that I've seen is going is going to happen. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yes. Simpsons predictions. So Simpsons predictions. Have you got a Simpsons they prediction that hasn't Trump. happened yet? That I means so they predicted the Trump. 
They yeah. predicted um, they, all these I, iPads. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, the what am I thinking of? The iPod. The design iPod, of the uh, iPod uh, pops uh, pops up in the Simpsons. Let me have a look. I did have a little note here about the Simpsons. The best Simpsons. All the more done. I hear this this one. Uh, there's a list of the 21 times the Simpsons bizarrely predicted the future. Yeah. I think some of these are a bit weak. Some of them are quite interesting. A mutant some, toma- the some, mutant tomatoes. I thought uh-huh. were quite interesting. That that this did actually the just happen. Tomaco. Yeah. <laughs> it's called tomaco. <laughs> <laughs> because what's a mix between tomato and tobacco <laughs> oh yeah 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 and then they had this was quite I think this I'd is quite an, I think this is quite an uncanny one is the voting irregularities caused by computers oh, right. they had uh, someone actually oh, yeah. going in and trying to press Obama and it would only come up as uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the really other cool. guy and then also, I think the horse meat scandal is also quite, uh-huh. quite clever. You've got one of the, I think in the school canteen, you've got the uh-huh. school, the dinner ladies getting, putting horse meat. Horse the meat in there. And then you yeah. had this huge horse meat scandal, a European yeah. horse meat scandal. They're all using horse meat. And I don't understand, I still no. don't really understand how you can make that mistake. Let's say you're in the exactly. factory. It's like cow, cow, horse. <laughs> Probably a cow. <laughs> Deformed cow. I don't. I don't get how that mistake occurs. Like, um, yeah. But there's some. I think there's some things. You have, but- a, you have a very strange idea about how the food chain works, yeah. don't you? <laughs> there's some conveyor belt coming in from the countryside. You think you would? Ch- I would think you would check. You would check what animal you're about to like. You know, chop. Um, so, do we have anything from The Simpsons that we think is going to come true? Besides that. Uh, the three-eyed fish. Three-eyed fish. Uh, I think has something like that been ready. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, the woman president. Woman president. Yeah, so yeah. I, th- I, I think that one is what I was about to say. Yeah. That maybe is bound to happen one way or another. Maybe in time. Oh, there's one about this one in the where Lisa marries an English guy, and she puts she they predict that the English are going to save the Americans in World War Three. Oh. Rather than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be worth seeing. <laughs> Could happen. There we are. Yeah. I was besides do... that, um... so besides that, I, this is one I still I really like this. One. Oh, Nightcrawler! I, I Nightcrawler! I think no. I think this. I I, I think this is one that could. I, this I, could happen any mo- any I, moment. I, I, I in the states no. would be where it would begin. Do it, Sean. That has happened before. Well, that's, that's why you I said, said... So so, the, so in Nightcall, you've got a freelance reporter. I'm spe- uh, specifically interested in the end of the film. This Nightcaller becomes obsessed with... I'd like get- to add a desperate freelance reporter. He's a desperate freelance. He's got... He's obviously a sociopath, right? Clearly. He's got... <laughs> he becomes obsessed with this... Uh, with getting the news. The guys who can get to disasters and f- make ho- like this kind of home as video footage with them yeah. as they happen, get loads of money. He's yeah. found out that if he can chase around... Yeah. And of course, because in the States, I don't understand how people do you can just listen into police radios yeah. with just yeah. standard equipment you can in the UK so you get and then if you get there ahead of the police then you can film stuff and then Nightcall just takes it one step yeah. further where that he actually solves a murder yeah. ahead of time mm. and then he feeds the uh, the um, the guilty party the murderers mm. that information to the police and gets the police and tells the police where they are, and then sits waiting for the shootout to happen. To video the whole thing. Now, right? I would say, I don't know if that has happened yet, but I could just see that, something mm. like that happening, with mm. the obsession with uh, the immediacy of the news, and with things yeah. like Facebook Live, and all this stuff, I could just I could just yeah. see this waiting to happen. You, you think 
this mm. has already happened with the police car chases. Yeah, because with the car chase documentary. There's, a, there's a financial incentive going on there. There's a transactions occurred. Money will have changed hands through so rights. How has happened with well, the, but, How does that car chase thing happen? I don't, I don't understand how the, the do the. Well, because the, in the US, obviously, the actually you can in the UK, but in the US, the, the reporters listen to the police channels. So yeah. when they when they know the police are on. A chase. Then they send a all the helicopters come on. They can have like ten. But they don't. Damn helicopters. Where, where I think Nightcrawler goes a bit further is I think the guy in Nightcrawler really does actually. Well, he's making he, the he news. Makes, he makes the crime. He's crossing the okay, line. He's he making the news. Yes, he creates the crime. Let me tell you in that there's an it. example very interesting. Yeah, there was a this kind of tabloid uh, in Mexico called uh, like the Alarm. The Alarm. Where these guys were arriving to crime scenes before anybody else. And they were like, mm, there's not enough blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Let's put great. some intestine out more because it doesn't look very, you know. No way. And they were, you know. Dressing the scene. Up, dressing the scene to look more grotesque <laughs> and more. So they could take the pictures and present them in their tabloid. Just to wow. clarify, is this a fiction or is this? No, this is real. <laughs> and this happened in the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> well, there we are. Yeah, so where will that be now? I can tell you, you, if you just search for that, it's so weird. <laughs> so they're dressing the crime scenes. They're still not quite creating the not crime. Creating not creating the crime, but it. they are still arriving first yeah. and dressing yeah, yeah. up the no, crime no, scene. That's, that's, yeah. that's messed up enough. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know there's that whole concept of ambulance chasing, right? Ambulance chasing. Yeah. Is this something you've done? No, no. <laughs> it's, it's where um, uh, lawyers, solicitors, whatever chase ambulances yep. to see where they're going and then they offer the services to the... Oh, that's really, that's right? sick. Yeah. Oh, that's been going on for years. <laughs> and how, right? where's that penetrated? Is that just, just, just in like in... No, and in the UK as well, it used to happen. It's been thought to happen. Just like yeah. lawyers are also yeah. always around. So what, is, so what is the difference between them bringing a film crew with them? It's not the film. It's, it's not the cre- that far away. I know. Thing. I know. I know. It's not. It's the crossing that line. Creating that. that it's creating that, the cr- the crime. It's crossing that line, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. Or or somehow having some kind of, if you could have like predictive software, which it is beginning to happen. Software that analyzes shitloads of data and can actually give probabilities of a crime occurring in a certain place. Something like Minority Report with a... Kind yeah. of, kind of pre-cog. Pre-cog. Right? That technology is beginning to emerge. Yeah. So imagine that technology more matured in the wrong hands. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could start to arrive at a hot spot and wait for something to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see. Well, yeah, you Why can see not, right? Cool. So, are you going to? So that's well. That's the one. That, I, that's, that's, I, that's the one I, I will put my hat on. That one being that's going to be the okay. next one. As so, a, as shall a we wrap it up? That's. I think we wrap it up here. Yeah, because it's uh, quite some time already. I'm, I'm exhausted. Wow, one hour and twenty minutes almost. <laughs> I would have switched off after twenty minutes. But, uh, <laughs> if you made it this far, thank you. You need help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no, I think. Anything else to add here? No, I think it's an interesting subject. Yes, um, I think the interest is in the artist having a finger, having a finger on the pulse to the extent that uh, they yeah. can be essentially 
seeing what's about to happen yeah. ahead of even mathematicians and stuff. Could you pos- could a human be so possibly in tune with nature, the universe, that they could somehow tap into this hidden well, this is, this is info stream? And then you have to see if it passes the 108 test. Well, it's got to pass the coin... Yeah, test. Formula. What are they? Coin equation. Yeah. I think you should work on that. Yeah, I'll write it up. Yeah. Okay. Then that's it. Thank you, Dan. I think for coming you. with the subject. And uh, maybe you will come soon for another one. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Rafa. And my name is Rafa Luis. And we talk to you next week. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Bye bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2017.